Oh, this is Dan Perkins, and this message is just for moms. Are you worried about how much money you have lost in your investment account? Are you concerned if it will recover? Inflation is 9.1%, and I believe it's really higher than that, and I think you would agree. You have experienced rising prices for food, gasoline, and many other items. Isn't it time for you to consider investing in gold with some of your money to protect your future? Start by finding out if gold is right for you. Go to the Black and White's website and click on the gold bar. You'll get a couple of questions, and then we'll forward you on to Ira, our gold guru. He will help you figure out if it's right for you. It's time for Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together, talking again about the issues that concern us. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in your right of American free speech. It's time for Black and White. Welcome back to Blacks and White, and joining us today is Walter Banks, Jr., and he's got an incredibly interesting and at the same time, uh, trying to do a lot of good work. Walter, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So uh, your organization is new to me. I don't know a lot about it. So I thought I'd take the first couple of minutes and let you introduce yourself and your organization. So go ahead. Yes, thank you. Uh, my name is Walter Blanks Jr. I am the uh, National Press Secretary uh, at the American Federation for Children, and our organization uh, was co-founded by uh, now sec our former Secretary DeVos um, almost a little over two decades ago um, with the idea of allowing parents and families to, to take control of their education and to allow um, the funds that are allocated to educate them to follow the, the child wherever they may um, go, like, like a, similar to their, their backpack. And so at AFC, we have a um, C3, C4, and a 527 pack that allows us to do uh, a lot of different things, which um, allows us to stand alone in this, in this space, in this, in this movement. Um, we engage in elections, we rally parents and, and highlight student voices. Uh, across the country on this very, very uh, crucial uh, topic within within our our society. And, and some of our results, uh, it's a long list, um, but some of the um, recent results that, that we've been able to, to look at it and highlight is um, we have helped and, and aided in giving um, over $20 billion in government funded funding directed towards school choice. So that's dollars that uh, parents have control over when it comes to their children's um, education. Roughly um, 4 million students right now are using some form of school choice uh, programs uh, across the country. And uh, it really speaks to the power that school choice has. And, and I'm one of those uh, 4 million students. I was someone who was bullied a lot uh, in the public school system. And because of school choice, I was able to, to leave my, my uh, government uh, district-bound school and, and attend a school that really catered to my learning needs and, and what I needed. And so because of that, I've, I've traveled the country um, and have met with governors, legislators, and, and with hopes to helping uh, more children have the same opportunities and, and access that, that I've had. And so at the end of the day, we believe that every single child, regardless of how much money their parents make, where their uh, zip code is, or where they come from, that they deserve a high-quality education if the school that they're currently attending um, is not meeting those needs. So thank you that for the, that very much for that because that helped me better understand and, and surprisingly how the magnitude of what you've accomplished. The recent Supreme Court 
Maine case, which said that the, the, the state and the education department cannot discriminate where parents want to send their children to school and allowing them to go to private schools, religious schools, and that and the money follows them was an important case, I would have think. Yeah, it was it was super important. And we've seen similar cases um, where the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of school choice in, in other states over the past few years. But it, it's monumental because in some of these states you have what are called uh, Blaine Amendments. And these Blaine Amendments prevented uh, religious schools from receiving funding when, when children and, and parents and families wanted to send their kids to those schools. And so uh, this case in Maine was huge. And it, it basically said something that a lot of parents are feeling right now. It's, it's just that simply because a school is religious, those schools cannot be excluded from taking those school choice dollars, what we like to refer to them as. And so um, it's another avenue, another, another vehicle on the road to educational freedom, which is what I like to say often. Um, so if a parent, sometimes a parent will choose a school simply because it's a safe school, right? Like my mom, my mom picked the school because she knew I wasn't going to be bullied there. And so even with religious schools, some, some parents who uh, don't even recognize or practice a religion will send their children to religious schools, whether it's for um, strong values, um, the academic rigor, the structure there, um, or that it's just, like I said before, simply a safe place. And so the ruling in Maine has opened the door for more children to be in those schools that, that parents ultimately want them to be in. Walter, um, on our network, we have a, a program called Moms Across America. And it's three mothers, one from the West, one from the Midwest, and, uh, and one from the East, who have been on the show, uh, had their show almost a year, and they're talking about the issues that are important, they believe that are important to moms across America. And um, they're, they're doing extremely well. They're building an, an audience. Um, their, their initial show is on Sunday nights uh, uh, at 10.30, which is kind of late into the weekend, yet we're still drawing over 80,000 listeners a week to that show and growing. And we rebroadcast it another day of the week. But from the very beginning, the thing that was most uppermost in all three moms' minds was the quality of education that children and their grandchildren are getting today. And as, as we've gone, gone through almost a year with that program, and we've talked to people about critical race theory and gender and pronouns and on and on and on in the curriculum, uh, I'm beginning to think that um, education may be very important in terms of political situation in the midterm and perhaps even in the presidential election in 2024. The parents continue, continue to be let's say for a better word, uh, Walter, let's say surprised at what's being taught in the public schools to their children. Um, I, I read recently where over 700,000 children were removed from the public schools because the parents were not satisfied that the schools were doing the basic fundamental job of reading and writing and arithmetic. And they were spending way too much time on sexual orientation and gender and pronouns and sex changes, and all of which they felt was inappropriate 
at the expense of the basic fundamentals of education. Um, we saw when the National Association of School Boards petitioned the White House to have parents who come to school board meetings to question what's going on in the schools to be treated as domestic terrorists was, was shocking to me. And that the, actually the Secretary of Education helped write the letter to the, to the White House. So um, the power that the unions, teachers unions have brought as a result of the pandemic and the things that they've done to children uh, there are now people beginning to question whether or not uh, we un truly understand what the long-term impact of the sequestration and, and closing of public schools for, in some cases, up to two years and wearing masks, all were on uh, basically fraudulent assumptions. So what are you getting a sense of as you travel around and talk to people about the satisfaction with the public school system. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of things to unpack uh, from from the the statements that you made, and I think there there are um, two folds of it, right? And and you touched on it a little bit. A lot of these issues really came to light during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. COVID exposed a lot of things that have been buried under the rug that that weren't really being paid attention to, close attention to. And then you have, you know, schools across the country shutting down, students at home with their parents, parents are helping with homework, parents are seeing the curriculum, parents are seeing what their children are learning. And it's like, wait a minute, this is, this is, for some parents, this is garbage, right? And so, um, so that's, that's, that's one fold. The other fold is the political machine that has, that has been exposed uh, during this as well. And, and you mentioned it briefly, the teachers unions really overplayed their hand during the pandemic, whether it was um, giving guidelines to the CDC, whether to keep schools open or closed. We saw countless teacher, teacher strikes across the country. And then those same very teachers who were striking because the schools were unsafe were uh, taking vacations to, to Puerto Rico or, you know, some, somewhere, you know, internationally. So it's like, you know, if, if it's so unsafe, then, then why are you traveling? You know, why aren't you in the schools? Um, keep making sure that, that students are, are, are staying caught up. And, and the last point were, were parents. Parents across the country started speaking up, showing up at school boards, getting involved um, in election work to, to make sure that the candidates who were in those positions were gonna have their best interests at heart. And so one thing that we're seeing across the country is a lot of uh, varying opinions on, on curriculum, on what's going on in the schools. And, and from my personal perspective, that's the beautiful thing about school choice and education freedom. Right. If, if your kids go into a school where they have to wear masks and you don't want your kid to wear a mask, then you should be able to vote with your feet and put your kid in an environment that works best for them. And so then you look at same thing with curriculum, right, whether it's CRT or, or sex education or, you know, all of these gender gender things that are going on for some parents, they don't mind it. Right. Some parents are like, eh, like it doesn't really matter to me. So they'll send their kids to that school. That's fine. But that's still a choice and that's still an option. But I also believe that there should be an option for that parent that says, wait a minute, I don't want my kid reading this book or I don't want my kid learning about, you know, all of these things that, that we're seeing in today's society. And I believe as a parent, uh, they have that right to make that call for their children. And that's one thing that AFC 
is really proud of when it comes to the work that we do is empower parents, right? We don't get into the weeds on what's being taught or what's not being taught. We believe that as a parent, you, you make the best decision for you and your children, right? Who, who am I or who are you to say that this is good for your child? And so the, the importance of parent empowerment is something skyrocketed over the last, the last two years. And like you said, enrollment in the public school system is down drastically. And a lot of faith has been lost in the public school system and parents are looking for alternative options. And that's where I believe in the marketplace, if you have a demand for innovation, that's where things will become, start to start to flourish and newer forms of education will, will take, take foot. Let me tell you a quick story before we get to a break about what happened on my little island. I live on Sanibel Island in the Gulf of Mexico off of Southwest Florida. The, the, the library put out a selection of books uh, for children uh, as part of uh, Gay Pride Month that were laid out in the library. And they dealt with all the things like pronouns and, and, and uh, sexual orientation. And a mother was going into the library with her three-year-old. And when she saw all these things laying out on the table in the children's section, she thought it was inappropriate. So uh, she went to the um, Board of Education and they said, well, you may not agree with the books, but there is a process. Uh, that you have to go through to see if the book should be removed. She went to the school board meeting, which had never, ever, the word I heard, never, ever had the public attend. There were over 100 people who were at the school board meeting, and, and, and they said they would take it under advisement. So you know what they did? The 100 parents went to the library and checked out all of the books. So there were no, no books available to be given to the children. They checked them all out. It's showing that the parents are taking activities at school boards, at schools, libraries, to see what's going on. And uh, with that, we're gonna have to take a pause here for just a, a few moments. And we will be back with uh, Walter Banks and we're gonna talk about education in the United States. We'll be right back. We are Americans, male and female, from many races and cultures from all over the world. One thing above all else is we are patriots who protect our nation and defend, when necessary, our Constitution from attacks both foreign and domestic. Today, as American patriots, we must take back our country from those who want to destroy it and us. We must start by taking back our children and their education. Parents, not union, should be in charge of our children's education. We must be sure that they are taught about the greatness of America and its people. Our children should not be indoctrinated with the belief that parents are racist and are evil and trying to destroy the world. As patriots, we must take back our country from foreign nations who want to destroy us and our way of life. Yes, as patriots, we want America to be first. We want an open and fair trade policy, energy independence, safe cities, and secure borders where we can grow and prosper as a nation of free people. Become an American patriot. Help take back America by voting Republican in the November 8th election. One. We're back with Walter Banks Jr. from the AFC. And 
we're talking about education in the United States and what parents can do to try and assure that their children get the best possible education. Um, Walter, what dynamics are in play today in the education system with parents that weren't in play a couple of years ago? Yeah, well, one thing we say at AFC quite a bit is that there's a new special interest group and, and those are the parents. Um, we've seen in uh, particularly Virginia uh, recently with uh, Governor Youngkin's gubernatorial race, we saw parents like, like we talked about before, right? At the school board meetings, mobilizing, getting together, saying that no, we want someone in office who's gonna represent us and what we want, right? And then it, it also really helped Governor Youngkin when uh, his opponent, Terry McAuliffe was on stage and he said he doesn't believe that parents should have a say in what their, their children are learning. And then if that wasn't enough for him to, to say that he didn't wanna win this election at all, um, his last night that he was campaigning, he uh, had Randy Weingarten as one of the keynotes at, his, at one of his rallies, right? And so um, parents were paying attention and, and parents were very, very upset about that. And I think that politicians over the past 30 years have really taken that for granted, taken that parents weren't, weren't awakened just yet. And, and COVID woke up the sleeping giants. And so uh, even right now in Texas, there's a lieutenant governor, or there's a guy who's running for lieutenant governor who uh, just a few days ago said that um, he was going to get rid of uh, a ban, ban vouchers in, in Texas forever. Um, and then he said, at the end of that, he said, because uh, vouchers are for vultures. And as, as someone who, who benefited from a vulture and sat next to um, you know, the president of the United States, been to the White House multiple times because of that voucher, right? Like I found that very offensive. And so parents, like I said, parents are, are waking up, they're mobilizing, they're, they're fighting for their children. And at some point in history, right, that was the thing to do, right? To, to send your children to school and you trusted that the teachers would take good care of them. But society has changed, our world has changed. And that is no longer the, the primary focal point within the public education system. Uh, the focus is maintaining the monopoly and the status quo that, is, that has been there, not allowing for any kind of innovation or, or competition in that marketplace. And so parents are in a very, very unique perspective um, and position, something that we haven't seen in a very long time to really fight and to really open up the doors of opportunities for, for their children. And, and one mother that I think of, um, in addition to my own who fought relentlessly for me is Miss Virginia Walden Ford uh, out of DC who fought for um, one of the first voucher programs in the country, um, all because her kid was in um, a failing school. And so right now, if you're a parent listening or even a student listening, now is the time to, to take up the fight and fight for education, not just for yourselves, but for everyone in this country, because without a educated populace, where will we really be in the future? Walter, do you think that the, the movement that you're talking about with the involvement of parents in education is a fundamental shift that's taken place in our country, or is it a fad? I, I definitely believe it's, it's a fundamental shift because parents are realizing that if someone's going to come out and campaign and ask for their vote, then they need something in return. And after seeing the, the demise or the downfall of the public education system, parents are looking for other options. 
And when it comes to their children and when it comes to the livelihood of their children, they're not going to stop fighting, especially in states like Arizona, where Governor Ducey recently signed a bill that allows every single family in Arizona to be eligible to take $7,000 of the allocated funds and use them for any kind of education expenditures that the parents see fit right? You're talking over 1.1 million students in the state of Arizona will have an opportunity to take some of those dollars, parents primarily to take some of those dollars and use them for whatever their kid needs. And, and at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about, right? We're not talking about um, policy points or talking points or, or anything like that. We're talking about the livelihoods of our children, right? And then you take it a step further, right? In the communities that I come from, the minority lower income communities, for most of us, education is the only way out, right? I didn't have D1 coaches knocking on my door to come play ball for them in college or, or anything like that. And so for most of us, almost all of us, education is the only way that we can escape poverty and, and escape the crime and the low expectations in our community. And every single parent, I don't care if you're rich, poor, black, white, whatever you are, Every single parent wants their child to do better than they did themselves. And I firmly, firmly believe sitting here that school choice and education freedom is a great place to start. So, so Walter, um, what's going to happen to the public school system? Well, what I like to say, you either grow or die, right? And so I believe with the public education system, it's an opportunity for them to step up and to reassess and see, okay, where are we missing it? How do we serve our students better, right? Every other marketplace on, on the planet, right, thrives when you have competition. And we, there's been multiple studies done that have shown where these schools of choice have popped up, whether they're public or private schools, charter schools, whatever the case may be, where they've popped up, the, the district assigned schools have actually done better. And why? And it's, it's because that competition breeds excellence. And so if you're a school that refuses to change and refuses to do what's best for your students, then, then, then that school may close or that school may have to, what I would like to think would happen, that school will be forced to improve and have to improve for, for the betterment of, of all children. Education freedom is a tide that lifts all boats, but all the boats have to be willing to do whatever it takes to rise above. How do you think the unions are gonna react? Oh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're gonna react the, the same way that they always have. They're gonna they're going fight it. They're gonna do everything that they, that they can because they have control of the monopoly, right? Thinking back to my days when I actually used to play monopoly, right? The, the, the one rule that I, would, that I would play by is that I'm not gonna let anyone else buy a property on my color. Right, because then I can't decide if I want to, you know, put up a hotel or sell it or you know all these things. And now I'm starting to get into monopoly in real life uh, with some of my other other um, business ventures. But they're they're going to fight it, and it's because they stand to lose the most. Right, if that monopoly collapses, then they don't have control over what's being taught, who's being educated, how they're being educated, where those dollars are going, and and to them. It's a huge, it's a huge, huge disadvantage when you have parents and families making the best options. Because then one thing that we hear about in this movement is that, oh, well, you know, all of these kids are going to leave these schools and, and, the, and the other students are going to be left behind. And what they don't realize is by making that very statement, they're admitting that 
what the public school system is putting out is an inferior product. And they know that if given the option, parents and families would not choose that. One thing that we hear all the time is that, oh, well, 85 to 90% of students in America go to, they choose public schools. They don't choose public schools, they're forced to go to them. And so the unions are gonna do everything that they can to protect the monopoly. And as long as we have governors, legislators, parents and families and organizations like the American Federation for Children fighting to make sure that parents are in the driver's seat of their children's education, they're going to, the unions are gonna to continue to do what they can. But I firmly believe that parents and families are going to win out on this issue. It's, an, it's a very important problem, a very important issue because what is, what is coming home to roost today in our country is the fruits of the efforts of classroom teachers to propagate um, critical race theory, to put blacks against whites, to, 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 to teach that if you're white, your parents are racist. Um, the whole transgender situation is that, that all those issues, which I believe had nothing to do with basic fundamental education, uh, became the issues of the unions because it gave them power over, over the people. And I question whether or not over time, the unions will be willing to relinquish that power. I, I, I will not speak for the unions, but it, it does not seem that that's, that's the case, especially when you have the unions bankrolling the entire Democrat party. Um, there's, there's a play for power and money on the unions end. And what do uh, powerful people want? The only thing that they want is to stay in power, right? Or to get more power. And so I, I do not see in the future the unions relinquishing that power. I, I, I firmly believe that power is never given, power is taken. And coming out of the pandemic, parents took that power. They took some of that power. And I believe that going forward, they're going to continue that as more educational options open up and are available to students. In the couple of minutes we have left, um, uh, I thought it was significant in probably the most liberal city in the United States, San Francisco, the voters threw out school board members because of what they believe was going on in the schools. So, um, we're, are we are we likely to see, or are we already seeing, Walter, uh, significant resignation of teachers and perhaps principals as board school boards are changing in their their philosophies because a new generation of school board people have different value situations than they had in the past. So are, 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 we, are we about to see significant retirements in, uh, school, in school teachers and administrators creating a vacuum, if you wish, or a shortage of teachers? I don't, I don't believe though. I don't believe so. I believe that we will begin to see um, actually the teaching profession uh, growing and, and expanding because you, if you can create a place for competition, right? Teachers will be paid not by how long they've been at a school, but how well they are teaching their children, 
right? Like that's the great thing about educational choice is that, you know, we always talk about students, but school choice can really help teachers as well, right? You know, there's been some talks about creating like teachers savings accounts, you know, similar to ESA programs that, that are across the country. And so I, I believe what's coming in the future is a, is a more reverent and, and respect for teachers, right? Like up there with doctors, lawyers, you know, the, the people that we esteem in our society, because at the end of the day, how did that doctor become a doctor, right? Someone had to teach them, right? Same with the lawyer. And so I believe that the teaching profession and the teaching career is one of the most honorable and one of the most respected professions that you can have in our country. But the way we treat them now does not reflect that. And so I believe creating competition and creating innovation within the, the education system, teachers will have more autonomy and really be able to thrive. Do you expect tenure to disappear? I hope it does. I, I, don't, I don't know if it, if it will, but, but I really hope, hope it does. I hope that teachers can get to a place where they are paid on their merit and not how long they've been there. So how do you create the merit? Some kind of scoring model? Yeah, scoring models, different incentives for teachers to, to, to really take ownership of that. Um, I, I'm, I haven't really got into the weeds on what all of that would look like, but there have been conversations in, in multiple states where they said, okay, children are having a great opportunity. What can we do for teachers? And so I, I believe that that's on the horizon. So Walter, how can people follow what your organization is doing? Um, you can check out our website. It's federationforchildren.org. And uh, make sure you follow us on all social media accounts, uh, American Federation for Children. And then um, look up my name. It's Walter Blanks Jr. Uh, on all social media. And I, and I post regularly about educational updates that are going on across the country. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Dan. You're welcome. Stand by. We'll be right back.